Hello, welcome to the Grace Gratitude Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Catechism Saturday, Lord's Day, number 34. And real quick, if you guys have not yet listened to Monday's episode with Dr. Robert Yarbrough on New Testament background, please do yourself a favor, listen to that episode on how the background of the New Testament helps us better understand what's written in the Gospel of Christ. And also Thursday's podcast with Dr. R.B. Jameson on his book, The Paradox of Sonship, published by IVP Academic. It's a deep, deep look into the book of Hebrews and how it presents Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So let's move on. We are covering four questions today. Question answers 92 to 95. So we now move into our sinus's exposition of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. What's interesting, though, if you guys remember to a couple episodes back, is we're now in the gratitude section of the catechism. So we're going to see why this is so interesting and so significant for Sinus's exposition of the Ten Commandments. What was once fearful for the Israelites, for us Christians, is now the very character and the way of a godly life. So let's dig into question and answers 92 to 95. So question 92, what is the law of the Lord? And here's the answer. He goes through the Ten Commandments. Let's read them together. God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. First, you shall have no other gods before me. Second, you shall shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You should not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God and the jealous God, publishing the children or punishing the children for the sins of the fathers of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Third, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Fourth, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Fifth, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Sixth, you shall not murder. Seventh, you shall not commit adultery. Eighth, you shall not steal. Nine, you should not give false testimony against your neighbor. And ten, you should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not cover your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And here's your sinus's exposition. He brings up four questions to help us understand the whole of the Ten Commandments. First question, what is the law in general? The law now, in general, is a rule or precept 
commanding things honest and just, requiring obedience from creatures endowed with reason, with a promise of reward in case of obedience, and with a threatening of punishments in case of disobedience. Then the second question he asks, what are the parts of the law and what are their differences? The parts of the laws are divine and human. Human laws are such as are instituted by men and which bind certain persons to certain external duties concerning which there is no express divine precept or prohibition with a promise of reward and threatening of punishments, corporal and temporal. There are either civil or ecclesiastical. Civil are such laws as are instituted by magistrates or by some corporation or state in reference to a certain order or class of actions to be observed in the states in various contracts. Ecclesiastical are those which the church institutes in reference to the order which is to be observed in the ministry of the church in reference to the divine law. Divine laws are those which God has instituted, which belong partly to angels, partly to men, and partly to certain classes of men. Divided into moral, ceremonial, and judicial laws. The moral law is a doctrine harmonizing with the external and unchangeable wisdom and justice of God. Distinguishing right from wrong, known by nature, engraven on the hearts of creatures endowed with the reason of their creation, and afterwards often repeated and declared by the voice of God through the servants and the prophets. Ceremonial laws were those which God gave through Moses in reference to ceremonies, or the external solemn ordinances which were to be observed in the public worship of God, with a proper attention to the circumstances which had been prescribed. The judicial laws are those which had respect to the civil order of governments and the maintenance of external property among the Jewish people, according to both tables of the Decalogue. The chief difference between these laws in their obligation, manifestation, duration, and use. Then his third question, to what extent has Christ abrogated the law? So that's taken away with. And to what extent is it still in force? The ordinary and correct answer to this question is, the ceremonial and judicial, as by given by Moses, has been abrogated or expelled in as far as it relates to obedience, and that the moral law has also been abrogated as it respects to the curse, but not as it respects obedience. Fourth question, in what does the law differ from the gospel? And he says, as to the mode of revelation peculiar to each, the law is known naturally, the gospel is divinely revealed. In matter of doctrine, the law declared the justice of God separately considered. The gospel declares it in connection with his mercy. And their conditions or promises. The law promises eternal life upon the condition of our own and perfect righteousness. The gospel promises the same blessings upon the condition of faith in Christ. In their effects. The law works wrath, the gospel, the ministration of life and the spirit.
The next question, number 93. How are these commandments divided? Answer, into two parts. The first teaches us how to live in relation to God. The second, what duties we owe our neighbor. Then Ursina says, the ex, the, this question concerning the division of the Decalogue is necessary and profitable because God himself expressed two tables and a total of 10 commandments in the Decalogue. Because Christ divided the sum of the whole law into two commandments or into two kinds of commandments. Because a correct division of the Decalogue contributes much to a proper understanding of the commandments. It teaches and admonishes us in reference to the degrees of obedience required by each table and shows that the worship of the first table is the most important. The next, Ursinus actually combines his exposition of both question answers 94 and 95. So let's dig in. Question answer 94. What does the Lord require in the first commandment? That for the sake of my very salvation, I avoid and flee all idolatry, witchcraft, superstition, and prayer to casinos or other creatures. Further, that I rightly come to know the only true God, trust in him alone, submit to him with all humility and patience, expect all good from him only, and love, fear, and honor him with all my heart. In short, that I forsake all creatures rather than do the least thing against his will. Then he asks him question answer 95. What is idolatry? And he says, idolatry is having or inventing something in which to put our trust instead of, or in addition to, the only true God as he has revealed himself in his word. Then our scientist exposits this by saying, the first commandment consists of two parts, a preface and a precept. This preface belongs to the whole Decalogue. It describes and distinguishes God, the lawgiver, from all creatures, human legislators, and false deities. It contains three reasons why the obedience of the first and following commandments should be performed to God. The first is because God declares himself to be Jehovah, by which he distinguishes himself, the true God, from all creatures, that he may show what he has the that he has the supreme right and authority to rule. Second, he says that he is the God of his people, that he might thus, by the promise of his bountifulness, constrain us more effectually to render obedience to him. And third, he adds, which has brought you out of the land of Egypt, that he might, by bringing them to recollect the recent and wonderful deliverance wrought in their behalf, show and admonish them that they were bound to render gratitude and obedience to him. This has respect to us as well as to the Jews, because by the mention of this one deliverance, so wonderful it's the nature, there is figuratively comprehended all the deliverances of the church and amongst them, that which has been accomplished by Christ of which the deliverance from Egyptian bondage was a type. Hence, when God in, his pre or in the pre preface declares that he is Jehovah, the deliverer of the church, he opposes himself to all creatures and idols and challenges for himself universal obedience, honor, and worship. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Catechism Thursday. 
Lord's Day number 34. Make sure you guys tune into next Monday for the season finale of Spark Note Seminar with Dr. William A. Ross talking about the Septuagint, a topic that most Christians, anybody outside the church, probably hasn't looked into, doesn't know, but is so crucial for understanding of the Old Testament and the New Testaments and a lot of apologetic stuff in it as well. And this coming Thursday for Book Club, we have Dr. Ben Glad back on talking about his book, Handbook on the Gospels, published by Baker Academic. And you guys know this is the end of season two. We have a special guest coming on in a week and a half for a bonus episode to wrap up season two. So I hope you guys tune into that episode. I hope you guys have been enjoying this catechism series. We're about two thirds the way done. We will see you guys next week. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world. And how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, and you, after you rate a review or instead of rate and review or doing everything all at once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms, because that actually puts in front of people's physical face, this podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are, are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that. It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing and, uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform Christian <laughs> theology. Exactly. The yeah. And you guys can find that link on Anchor, our official Anchor website. If you just go on um, our social media links, it'll, it'll link you to that website. It's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes if you're on this podcast this specific episode scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating so we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap pay for shipping get nicer stuff all for the focus of spreading the gospel further yep all for the kingdom of god thanks so much guys we'll see you guys next time <laughs>